This episode of Eye to Eye is brought to you by Janique Locks. If you're looking to get started, there's no better place. She specializes in all kinds. Dreadlocks, micro locks, sister locks, lock extensions, instant locks, interlocking, and more. If you're in the 757, please don't hesitate to contact her. You can find her on Instagram at Janique Locks. That's G-E-N-I-Q-U-E-L-O-C-S, Janique Locks. Or you can find her at her website, JaniqueLocks.com. Janique Locks, where locks are envied. All right, let's go ahead and start this podcast, man. Good evening, folks. I'm hoping that everybody is good. Um, I just wanted to come on here real quick because uh, I know I ain't nobody, but I got all this stuff on my heart and just really wanted to take some time out and just let folks know, number one, that I love you. Uh, today is not the most fun day in American history. Um, I'm pretty sure of that by now. And uh, for what it's worth, I know that there are a lot of conversations that people need to have Um, I, for one, am just one who believes that it is best to get things out in the open. It does not mean that I'm a fan of it. It just means I know that it needs to be done. And so that being said, you know, this is uh, election day 2020, Uh, you know, the the day where the soul of America is at stake and whatever other cliche thing somebody has created for this year. I don't want to take up everybody's time, but I really, really just wanted to try and get some stuff off my chest. Um, and again, I know I ain't nobody. So, you know, pray for you, boy. Uh, nonetheless, though, I, I don't even know where to start, but I'm just going to say this. Star, hello, ma'am. It is good to see you up here as usual. Uh, praying everything is good with you and hoping that you're you're killing the game with business and things of that nature um i guess if i'm gonna start someplace i'm gonna start here i have really gotten it from all sides uh the past few months especially and by that i mean um you know i got a lot of friends and i do not really park on one side or the other as far as the type of friends that i have uh they are white they're black they're asian they're hispanic um, they are Democrat, they are Republican, uh, they have really, really conservative views or they are out there. Um, and I love them all, uh, pretty much equally because all of them have given me a different type of perspective to consider. And I am one who appreciates that kind of thing. Uh, but I have come to understand very quickly, uh, that this world of, of echo chambers as they were, um, is a world that is not just existed, but for most folks, it is the norm. Uh, And I'm not attacking anybody when I say that. I'm just kind of stating that as the fact that it is. Uh, So when I say that I've gotten it from all sides, what I ultimately mean is um, I've had countless conversations with people who have asked me why I post some of the stuff that I post, why I haven't really, you know, established quote unquote allegiance to a party. Um, you know, and, and why I would suggest certain things. Like, for example, uh, I got a homeboy who posted the other day, a picture of he and his girlfriend 
uh, and he had on a MAGA hat and she had on a Biden hat and they're still able to love each other. And, and for what it's worth, um, you know, the, the issue in it was both of them are white and, you know, I'd be foolish uh, to say that I'm not aware of the standing and current condition of the black community and everything that is going on in the black community and has been for years, for decades, for centuries, uh, you know, and how, you know, I, you know, I, I work a job now where as a Christian, I get to tell other Christians why black lives matter. And I do it comfortably and I have no problem and I have no regrets in doing it. And I sleep peacefully at night because I know that I'm trying to bring forth the cause of equality and equity in humanity and in our society. And it is necessary still. And if you don't agree with that, cool. Got you. Still love you, but just understand where I'm coming from. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, especially in Norfolk right now for the black community, um, the wealth gap is disparaging. And I mean, I'm talking about by, by percentage points that we should not even discuss. Uh, and so, you know, there, there's just this thing that I know in this particular point in time, uh, you know, everybody's talking about voting and why you vote or who you voted for. Or I'm not voting because, and listen, before we go any further, just understand this. If you didn't vote today, I ain't mad at you, but in all grace, I tell you, uh, I remember people like John Lewis and others who came before me that died or were beaten um, for the right to vote. You know what I'm saying? And if, if that's not something for you to take into consideration, I totally understand that, but there's a significance in that for me. And I'm going to make sure that anybody, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I just, I, I'm, I'll park it in this. Um, if, if anybody was willing to do something like that for me, you know, no, they ain't Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for me. But if anybody's willing to do that for me, the least I can do is honor that by getting my tail to the pole. So I'll, I'll leave that there. Um, and even to that extent, you see what happened over the past few days with with Cube or, or 50 Cent or whatever the case may be. The, these people out here who are supposed to be the representation of the black community and, and how they're supposed to be a part of the voice. And no, they're not. But I will say that I've recognized very quickly uh, that for all people, and especially black people, the voting is currency. Uh, little, little brother of mine said that earlier today, and it got me to thinking, it is currency. And not just that, though, but, you know, for our community, one thing I've realized, and I'm going to say it, and it's probably not going to be popular, but I don't care, <clears throat> is that both parties have treated uh, the value of our vote in the black community uh, like credit, as if it was a credit card, of which they have gladly decided to go into default on their payment um i'll stop there uh you know so i don't know if if, if i have a if i have a thought in queue tonight i just want to talk about a couple of things on freestyle and and really just want to look at kindness and brotherhood because i look at our nation and i can't not say something you know it's it's kind of i don't want to say sad but for lack of a better word it's sad um and to be honest with you it's it, it's it's kind of ironic because you know we look at the current state of of people being able to have conversations and talk about things um 
and everybody's got to be tough and their opinion has to be heard. And you have to have a platform and blah, blah, blah. I get it. I, I know you, you want to use your voice and that your voice has to sound powerful and authoritative. I'm going to flip that on his head and I'm going to say that we as a nation probably about to get in trouble. But again, I think tonight I just I don't care. Um, because I love people too much to, to not actually say this and say it the way that it needs to be said. Um, our nation is, is, is actually quite soft. Not to say that it's not uh, violent or venomous or filled with vitriol. We, we've seen that. If, if you have a Facebook, I'm pretty sure over the past few years, uh, you've seen that we are capable of doing a lot of uh, proverbial damage with a keyboard or some people with their voice. Um, but I think a lot of that actually wraps itself up in, uh, a misinterpretation of what it is that our Bible says we are supposed to be doing and how we are supposed to be conducting ourselves as brothers and sisters, um, in, in this nation and really in this, in this world. Uh, this is, this is globally biblical. Uh, we got to treat everybody, uh, the same. And so, you know, I just, I wanted to take a look at the fact that, if we are to talk about the fruit of the spirit and kindness, because I, like I said, I want to talk about kindness tonight. Um, there, there, there's a counterfactual understanding of kindness uh, because, you know, I was listening to uh, my little, my big little bro, Josh Kelly, uh, did a message over the summer talking about kindness as well and how it was the missing ingredient in Christianity. And and I I very much agree with that, which is, why I posted it and shared it because I feel like we need to get back to that. Um, but I think that the counterfactual evidence of, of kindness in this is, um, he used the verse, I think it was in Romans chapter two, where it talks about how kindness leads to repentance. And really, you know, that's not just the salvation piece. Kindness leads to kindness leads to a repentant heart. Um, and the ability to say, you know what, I know that we may not see eye to eye. We probably might be completely at odds, but it doesn't change the fact that I still love and respect you and I'm willing to listen to you. And even if we still find ourselves at an impasse when it's all said and done, you know, I'm still good with you. We're still good. We're still brothers. We're still, we're still cool. Um, but here's your inversion. Why would we expect anybody to get to that point where they're like, you know what? You're right. When all we can do is offer a venomous answer and fight tooth and nail to prove our points to make sure that we are right uh, and and expect somebody to yield to our opinion. Tell me what kind of sense that makes. It's gotten old on me and for what it's worth, I'm kind of proud of me for not really lashing out uh, and cussing folk out like I honestly want to do. Um but I think I'd be remiss if I didn't say that the state of our nation, you know, it's, it's not something that we you know we, we did to ourselves. No, I don't think so. Uh, there was a lot of things that happened that kind of brought us to this point, but it'd be ridiculous if I didn't say that we played our part and we have. And so I don't know with, uh, with, the time that I really would like to use here, uh, cause I'm tired. Um, and I'm sure a lot of folk are tired. You know, we, we could, we could say that. Um, 
I just, I want to talk about my findings. And with this, you can kind of do what you will. Um, and I really do encourage you to do what you will. Uh, because like I said, I really have gotten it from all sides. I've had uh, a lot of my white folk talk to me and they ask me, you know, why is this such a big deal? Why, why is, why is racism such a big deal? Why, why do black lives matter? Um, you know, why is this something that is so pushed and sacred by the black community and even by black Christians, you know, it's Marxist, you know, it's communist, um, you know, all the, all the funny things that I've very quickly and sometimes easily refuted. Um, and then even on the black side, you know, like when, when I posted my picture of my, my friend and, and his girl, you know, I, I posted that as a, as a broad stroke understanding of, you know, let this be ground zero. Let us not be able to see eye to eye on things and let us still be okay with each other. And, you know, the fact that both of them were white, I got good four five, six messages asking me why I would post that because it says black people back all the time. Well, no, no, it doesn't. Um, because even though that is very much a big part of why I do what I do, uh, if I focus in on that and if I polarize that, uh, then I am actually forsaking the very mission of the cross and everything that Jesus came for. It was for complete, comprehensive reconciliation. It wasn't just for the reconciliation of black people. No, I'm not dismissing. I'm definitely not. Di shoot, the job I have now, I'm not dismissing that. That's one of the first things that I will do. And I am glad to keep anybody who wants to say otherwise accountable. Um, but, you know, I don't know. Anyway, so with the conversations that I've had, I just I want to say the following for all my white folk. I want y'all to hear me and hear me clearly because, you know, I love you, even though I do not agree with everything that you say and everything that you do. And that's not everybody. Of course, this is really just a blanket statement because I don't have time to to really break down each and every nuance. But hear me your black brothers and sisters just want to be heard just want to be seen and ultimately they just want to live now what i was talking about earlier as far as like the wealth gap um you know there are certain things that people don't want to hear words that people don't want to hear um that have kind of brought us to that point and if you don't believe me uh, stay tuned because there's a lot of amazing things that uh, the URC is doing um, and actually have done. Feel free to check out the website. But in the city of Norfolk alone, we have been able to pinpoint the history of how certain things came to be. And a lot of that includes the stuff that people aren't aware of, like redlining or gentrification or, you know, they even called it gentrification back then. Um, you know, uh, just the systemics that put certain people in certain neighborhoods and the aftermath that came from it and just check out the website i don't have to i don't have to tell you i'm this this, this, this this is not a fat game for me just know that it's there if you ever want to take a look at it please feel free to um <clears throat> but we're at a point now where yeah it looks like there's an opportunity uh to have real conversations that can bring about some equal footing and that's really what folk want now to be fair i understand that because this is so new and fresh, this conversation, uh, it can look like 
it's supposed to be some type of overturning of power. People want to talk about reparations and, and all of these things. No, it's, it's not about that. Even reparations themselves is not about that. Again, it is about equal footing. And yeah, that just means that ultimately some folk in some way, shape, form, or fashion are going to have to count the cost. But nobody's asking anybody to empty their pockets 100%. And if they are, they're extremists. So hear me clearly when I say trust that all this is about is just us finally feeling like we are validated in this. And I know that that window is not shortened, but I see that it is diminished somewhat already, which to be honest to me uh, is, is, is kind of sad. Um, you know, I've, I've talked about it. I have a, a good friend we interviewed on the podcast who, who talks about uh, what they would call a uh, compassion fatigue. I can see that that's here. I can see it has no choice but to be here. It's 2020. People are just tired in general, like I said before. Um, so that's not new. But compassion fatigue is something that we got to fight through. And again, you know, I don't, I don't want to dishearten anybody. You know, we would all love to see this go away overnight. I'm pretty sure that everybody in this is want to have the conversation wants to see some type of resolve and wants everything to be okay. But 70 years bringing us to now, it's not going to happen in seven weeks. It just can't. This is one of those things where we're going to have to suck it up. We're going to have to be tough. And this is also why I said we as Americans are I mean, in a sense, we are very soft, comprehensively, corporately. You know, I'm pretty sure that there's some very tough people. We've been through a whole lot of things. We've been through a lot of stuff this year. We've shown ourselves to be stronger than we probably thought we were. But it doesn't dismiss the fact that there are other things. And I'll, I'll get to that. I I, I, I don't want to be on here too, too long or too, too late. I'm tired, um, as we all are. But uh, so this is, this is something I want to say uh, from the conversations that I've had with my white folk. Those who genuinely want to learn are admitting that they simply just don't get it. Uh, My little bro, Josh, again, you know, he was talking about uh, the fact that, you know, uh, kindness wants to be in the room. It's not just shouting outside the door. And basically what he meant by that was it's it's the desire to actually develop the empathy to learn, to really put yourself in a position uh, to be uncomfortable, um, to really get down into the nitty gritty substance, um, all of the source, all the resource uh, that shows us the history of how we got to where we are right now. What I have really noticed, and especially in 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 reading and having conversations with historians who have really shed some light on this um, is that unfortunately it is true. I didn't want to believe my doc on self, but guess what? America has a very rinsed history concerning certain things, you know? And I mean, it's down to the, the, the finite molecules of, of day-to-day life back in times like the depression, which of course was also very, very heavy, even in dealing with, um, you know, injustices for, for people of color back in the day. Did you know, uh, that white people basically walked into 
black people's houses at times and took their food when they didn't have any during the depression. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, 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 it's uncomfortable stuff like that. And I'm not just making stuff up again. There is plenty of information you can read it. And I mean, this is technically supposed to be McGraw Hill type stuff, like stuff that should be in a textbook. Maybe not that stuff right there specifically, but you get the point. And, you know, other horrible stories that, that, that could be told. Uh, I'm not going to tell them now because we don't have the time, but just know that our black people, I'm talking to you. We really need to get to a point where forgiveness is the first thought and having conversations with people when they ask questions that don't look like us. And one of the main reasons is because if we're not willing to do that, then we are conceding our ability to actually move forward. Um, It doesn't seem like that. Of course, this is another inversion. But if you're not doing that, then you're not willing to let go of the hurt, the harm, the anger and the pain enough to see that somebody is legitimately trying to understand, develop the empathy and move forward. Um, Dolores Brown, one of the Norfolk 17. And if you're familiar with who they are, you know how important they are in this conversation that we're having right now. Dolores Brown actually used to be a church member uh, at a church that I went to. She was an amazing and a beautiful woman. I think she's still alive. I'm not sure. Uh, But she told a story one time about when she was going. I think she went to Granby High School. She was one of the first African-American individuals to go to Granby High School. Uh, Went in and endured countless events of what could probably be deemed sheer terror. Um, But yeah, she was, uh, she was ostracized. She was, she was attacked. She was anything that you, you want to call it. It's, it's what she was for being one of the first black students inside of that school. And she recounted that there was a day many, many years after the fact, probably decades after the fact where she came across a woman who recognized who she was because there were students, they were fellow classmates at that school. And I think they even had classes together and the woman came up to her and she had tears in her eyes and she basically broke down and she apologized profusely for the way that she treated Dolores and everything that she had done to her. And I'll never forget this in the story that she told. She looked that woman right in her face and she said, you know what? I don't even remember you doing that, but it's okay because I forgive you. And that just blew my mind Um, because at that particular point in time, I had a clear cut understanding, obviously, of the things that had happened and and the whole purpose of why she did um, what she did. And 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 I mean, that's on both sides. Why? Why the white girl did what she did. She was a product of her environment. And that's what they did. And it doesn't make it right by any means. But, you know, I'm I'm beginning to understand what being a product of your environment is really all about uh, now more than ever. Uh, but also Dolores, uh, because I think she recognized within herself if she didn't do that, then she was probably going to harbor bitterness that was going to keep her from being able to advance and doing everything that she actually did with her life, which was some pretty amazing stuff. And so, you know. <sighs> All that to say, black folk, seriously, I know that things are still happening. Um, 
and let there be justice for that and let us continue to fight for that. But let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. There are some white folk who are really trying to understand and really trying to help. And we need to let them. Um, because when it comes down to it, we are brothers and sisters. And no, I don't really have time to break all of that down. But just understand that whether it be from a scientific standpoint, from a biblical standpoint, there's so much that we need to comprehend about what life is really all about and why we take some of these things for granted. Um, but anyway, uh, my, my one piece in that is from both sides, there's little empathy and a lot of apathy again, because everyone is tired. And so, you know, I can talk about a bunch of stuff. Um, I really, really could talk about a bunch of stuff. I really want to talk about the, the weaponizing of words and how I'm really sick and tired of that. How, if I hear somebody who I know, <laughs> has said critical race theory just for the sake of saying critical race theory because they heard some pastor say it or somebody else who did not research American culture studies for a minimum of 10 to 15 years um, because those are the people that I would listen to concerning critical theory. Do I think that it's the be all end all and should be utilized everywhere? No. But do I think that it's a supplement that can help us to better understand the past? Yes. Um, and anybody who wants to use communism and Marxism, I just have to recall that they said the same thing about MLK. So if somebody wants to say something about communism and Marxism, I would say if they say it to you, you're in good company. Anyway, um, you know, I don't know. We can, we can talk about that. We could talk about uh, socialism and honestly how when it comes down to it, uh, I love the irony of the fact that people want to say socialism for a variety of reasons. Uh, one of my, my favorite ones is because ideologically, those same people who are spouting socialism are trying to are trying to produce another kind of socialism, a, social, a socialism of ideologies where they want you to think the exact same that they're thinking. And failure to do so means that you're out of line and not worthy of whatever. I, again, I don't have time. Um, but, you know, just I really I, I wish people would just take the time to actually sit and think because we're entirely too myopic. We're entirely too short-sighted when it comes to thinking about certain things and processing them and thinking critically, looking down the road. Yeah, we know what tomorrow is going to bring, but what kind of decision-making helps us for a better five years from now or better 10 years from now, better 20 years from now? I don't think people really want that. You know what I'm saying? It's just, I, again, I'm moving on. Kindness, brotherhood, all this other stuff. Um, I want to couch this in a Bible verse because that's exactly how we work. Um, there are no limits of the passage. We're really just going to be in Proverbs at 17, 17. Proverbs 17, 17 is very simple. It says that a friend uh, loves at all times and that a brother is born for adversity. Uh, now, again, this is literally just a proverb in itself. There ain't nothing that we can say there's 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 some stories in the bible i'm sure we can attach to this and i intend to um but i'm not really going to attach an entire story i'm going to attach an entire narrative of the bible that matters more uh than anything outside of jesus dying on the cross um and that is the birthing the building and the movement of the church 
Now, I know if you've listened to some of the stuff I've been doing recently, I am heavily, heavily, heavily studying two things right now. Uh, one is the understanding of the term agape, Greek word for love, broken down into unconditional terms like Jesus dying on the cross and, and things of that nature. Uh, but the other one is it's been a bit of a character study for the disciples. I've been doing that for a few months now. And, you know, I'm thinking about a friend love at all times. And then I love breaking down semantics. I love lexical studies. I love studying the word itself. And by the word, I mean like the original language of the word, what it actually meant and how they used it. And in Proverbs seventeen seventeen, they talk about how a friend loves at all times. And that love, of course, is it's 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 a pan structured word, which means it's this is overall love. You know, it's almost like in John three sixteen where it says, For God so loved the world, it's one of those. So we're good on that. It's nothing special, it's not related to anything concerning, you know, Eros love or anything like that. Uh, but adversity, that's a different type of word. You know, and I was looking in um, you know, the, the concordances and, and all that stuff, just doing two seconds worth of research. Uh, cause you can really get a good understanding of a word, um, when you just take the time, uh, to look at it. And, you know, the, the breakdown is, uh, the, the word adversity here deals with like strengths and like distress, you know, and what we also need to to note here is how it is mentioned here. And it's only, this is the only time it's actually said in the Bible like this specifically, um, the way that it is worded, uh, which is less Sarah instead of just Sarah. Uh, it literally means for adversity. Now this is really, really significant and it's significant for the following reason. A friend love at all times and a brother is born for adversity, which means that a brother is born in preparation. Now I've heard many a pastor say, you know, a brother is born through adversity or in adversity. Um, and that's cool. It is. But if I'm looking at the original language, it, it helps me to, to begin to rephrase or reshape, re, re reformat the, the understanding of this passage. Um, and it leads me to this point. If a brother's born for adversity, and it doesn't actually define what that adversity is, then what are we actually doing? Are we putting this in a box? Are we saying that this carries full application because it has to carry full application? Um, it, it's kind of rhetorical. So uh, when a brother is born for adversity, that means that a brother is born to be able to go through anything even if that means that it puts that brother at odds with the other brother. Mm. America could really take a lesson from this verse right now because there are many Christians and we can look at the tale of the tape. We can look at all the statistics. There are many Christians out there right now and I mean, people want to talk about there's not a racial divide. I think that election day is very telling that there's a racial divide. Um, you know, white evangelicals make up 
about 80% of the Republican vote, African-American evangelicals make up 90% of the Democratic vote. Numbers are out there. You can take a look at it. It's pretty simple. There's a divide. But we all claim that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. For adversity. I think the encouragement in this right now is take the time to realize that we are in a Sarah moment, distress, anguish, and that everybody is going through it, whether they want to admit it or not. And we need to be able to apply that understanding just like the apostles, the original 12 disciples applied it. And again, because character study shows us that the original 12 did not get along. The original 12 were not really friends. They would not have done life together. Had they not done it with Jesus. Period. The end. Jesus said, come and follow me. Jesus picked the most random dudes to come and follow him. The most random dudes ultimately end up birthing the church. And then not only that, but they ended up going through more turmoil, more anguish, more annoying situations, if you just want to call it that. Remember, as they were birthing the church in Acts, all these other things take place. They got issues. They got food pantry issues, dog. And remember, back in the day, it really wasn't even about color. It was about ethnicity. And so it was very interesting when they had the Hebrew grandmamas and the Greek grandmamas and the food rations to the Greek grandmamas were not what they were for the Hebrew grandmamas. And they started raising a huge thing. And it turns into this big piece where they end up having to appoint people just so they can take care of this man. Like, read your Bible, yo. This is one of those things where I really wish that everybody would just take the time and open up their Bible and really put some practical application on these stories and not just read them one dimensionally. Get some context. Get some culture in it. Understand exactly what's happening there. Remember, yeah, it's not a matter of race per se, but it is still a matter of race when it comes down to it because there is a divide between these people. And the reason why they got all this beef is because one is getting one and the other's not. And if that don't sound like some of the conversations that are going on in the United States of America right now, then I don't know what is. So we really need to take the time and actually just study this and look at what they did in order to make sure things move forward. Look at what the disciples did in order to make things move forward. And they did it brilliantly because the church still stands today and it stands in spite of us. I'm tired. I'm a little mad. I just, I wanted to share that because it's on my heart. Um, but seriously, kindness and brotherhood go hand in hand. And I'm going to wrap this up here by saying this. I want to encourage people especially if you don't already now, because this is really going to be necessary over the next few weeks, months, years, whatever. You should probably get around some people who you have absolutely nothing in common with. You know, one of the things I've heard a lot of people say, especially in the church right now to try and, 
you know, bridge these racial divides and chasms and gaps is, you know, get somebody who looks nothing like you and invite them over to your house and have dinner and begin having these and just talk, just get to know each other. I believe that that is probably the best way to go. And when you begin having these conversations and then you see that you have something that you disagree on, I encourage you to keep having the conversation. Keep talking. Because that's the only way you can figure it out. And it needs to get figured out. Um, you know, if I have a concern, I'll never say a fear because I just I can care less. The enemy hears my words and he probably tries to process them. But whatever. If I have a concern about anything right now. It is simply the following. We all say that we love each other and it's a hallelujah brother and a, you know, a glory to God and all all these other things that we can say. And, you know, I love you, you know, and we use the term love very, very loosely, very flippantly. We don't take the time to to really build the bond, the bonds of love. Again, if I have an issue right now is that we take those words and they are empty for us. But they're only really empty for us when we realize that somebody doesn't have the same viewpoints or the same thoughts that we do. And so we don't deal with them anymore the way that we should. And we go back into our little zones, our little echo chambers, our little corners, and we stay there. And then if somebody has an issue with us, then we just chuck bombs from our corners and we keep it moving. I'm not okay with that because the Bible shows me that people were willing to have tough conversations, probably not even get along sometimes in the midst of those tough conversations and yet still do the one thing that God called, appointed and required of them to do. We are still called, still purposed and still required to do the same exact thing. But I can guarantee you right now, at least in the United States, we are not doing it. And so this would be my ultimate request. And of course, I ain't nobody. So you ain't got to you ain't gotta do whatever I ask you to do. It's perfectly fine. Um, or even what I advise you to do, whatever I request you to do. But in this echo chamber atmosphere in which we operate, whether it be in your home, your church, your job, your friends, whatever. Um, do me this favor. When we find out who's in office or who gets local government, uh, when we find out how people feel about that individual or those individuals, when we find out um, what people's stances really are, if you're willing to have those conversations, I would request that you don't retreat back into your echo chambers, that you stick around and that you hear people out in kindness. And I also understand this, too, because I got to talk about our our soft nation again. Here I go again. Dang it. Jordan was wrong with you, boy. I don't know. Anyway, um, recognize that if people have an opinion, even if it's strong or intense, that is not your opinion, that they are not attacking you, um, that their opinion is wrought in their experience and their experience is not to be forsaken because it is not your experience um, and that they are simply trying to help you understand 
where they are coming from and that the appreciation in turn would be for you to explain and help them to understand where you are coming from. I mean, it it should be a pretty simple thing, but unfortunately it's not um, because we have made it that way. Uh, And, you know, we can blame that on a variety of things. We can blame it on the media. We can blame it on, you know, history. We can blame it. I I don't, I don't care what you want to blame it on. Um, I would ask that you take some ownership in saying that in your world, to a certain extent, whether it be because of indirect ignorance, just not understanding, or you knew and you still didn't say or do anything because I've got plenty of friends whom I love and think the world of, uh, but, and, 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 and I know that they probably voted for, uh, somebody opposite who I voted for, but they don't want to talk to me about them. My feelings ain't hurt, but I'm concerned about that. Uh, because that means that they're not being completely forthright with me, but I gladly be forthright with them. Um, but yeah, yeah. All that to say again, um, really just, it's an invitation to really get inside somebody's world and get in, in a very genuine and authentic way. Don't shy away from it because I guarantee you over the next few weeks, the next months, the next years, and really for your life, you're going to need this to sustain really healthy, really honest, really forthright relationships where you can at least respect somebody enough to know that they love you and respect you enough to tell you exactly how they feel. And you can do that in return. Failure to do so means that you're just probably trying to be nice to pacify things or to get what you want, which ultimately, according to a friend of mine who wrote a whole book on it, is a form of idolatry. So, <clears throat> yeah, uh, I make no apologies. Um, you know, I'm sure that the nation needs a hug right now. I always got a hug, uh, but I'm, I have too much of a sense of urgency in my love for people to just sit up here and say, you know, it's, it's going to be all right. Let's sing Kumbaya. No, 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 no. We spent 40, 50, 60, 70 years talking about we can sing Kumbaya and people didn't realize why we were singing Kumbaya. So now let's make sure they understand. Ooh, I pray for folk because, again, I love y'all. Um, and I want to see this nation be as amazing as I know it can be. I want to see the people in my world be as amazing as I know they can be. Uh, but the only way that's going to happen is if people really start telling their truth in order to reach the truth. Uh, because one thing that already hurts my feelings is I know that in a couple of weeks, people are supposed to be breaking bread and eating turkey, but there's going to be a lot of divided dinner tables and they are divided for absolutely no reason. They're divided for reasons, but they're really ultimately divided for absolutely no reason. And I'm not good with that. So that being said, uh, there's your freestyle. I've ran it. I've rabbit trailed. I appreciate anybody who took the time to actually listen. Know that I'm still praying for you. Know that I'm still praying for anybody whose family is going through things right now, whether it be a loss of a job or COVID or whatever the case may be. Um, Please, everybody, take care of your health. Please take care of your mental health. Um, And please take care of your spiritual health above all Um, because that is 
really the whole point and purpose behind all this. Uh, so I'm signing off. Love y'all. And also anybody, I don't care who you are. If you want to talk, if you want to chat, if you want to chat about anything, including this amazing and God blessed election, might be a little sarcastic on that. Uh, don't hesitate to DM me, hit me up because really this, I think that's what this is supposed to be all about. We need to hear honesty, man. I think, never mind. I'm not going back into it. Yeah. Uh, again, love y'all. Please be safe. Please take care of yourselves. And, uh, now I'm praying for you and look forward to talking to people soon. All right. Easy.